Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 19, 11 through 27 is what we're going to read. Luke chapter 19, 11 through 27. This message is entitled Vision to Multiply. Vision to Multiply. We're going to take the next two weeks on Wednesday, maybe even more than that, and I'm going to just unpack this revelation that's in my heart that God's just been speaking to me about. Uh, And it's all about multiplication and specifically getting the vision for multiplication in you personally, for your life, for your business, for your finances, getting vision for multiplication. You know, and that's really what a lot of people have is it's for a lack of vision people perish. It's not just a lack of knowledge. There's a lot of good people that know about the promises of the Bible, but they, they never really step into that Jehovah Jireh El Shaddai type of provision that we read about in the scripture because they have no vision for it. Amen. So I'm praying. God has just been lifting my eyes. I feel like God's been lifting my eyes like he did Abraham, just showing me the stars, like look at this, and speaking to my heart and getting it vision in my spirit. And I pray the same thing gets in you. And so this is vision to multiply. I want to share some principles out of Luke 19, 11 through 27. It says this, this is the parable of the ten servants. Let's read through it. It says, the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said because he was nearing Jerusalem. He told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then returned. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant responded or reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed, You good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so now you will be governor of ten cities is your reward. Hallelujah. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. He said, Well done, the king said, You will be governor of five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with, taking things that isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared, your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't 
plant. Why, did you, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they replied, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But to those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. As for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right in front of me. Okay, so let me break some thoughts and points down here. Obviously, this scripture, Jesus is telling them, he's painting a picture for them of how the kingdom operates. He's talking about even his future kingdom. So in this parable, pretty self-explanatory, Jesus is the master or the king that called his servants together. What did he do? He called them all together. He gave each of them 10 pounds, and then it says he went away, and the, the servants had the responsibility of multiplying or putting to work what the king or master gave them. Right, And then when the king returned, as the Bible says, Jesus Christ, he didn't only come, he's coming back again. He examined what they did with what he gave them and then rewarded them accordingly. So I want to break some points down and, and share with you some things that God's been speaking to me. Number one tonight from this passage, the first point I'm going to break down, I want you to see this. Each got the same thing. Write that down if you're taking notes. Each got the same thing. Each person, each servant got the same thing. Verse 13, it says, Before he left, he called together and divided ten of his, uh, ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I'm God. So there was ten servants that each got one pound. Right? This is a picture that I'm wanting you to get a hold of tonight. Each one got the same thing. This is interesting because there's also another version of the same story in Matthew chapter 25. But it's just a little bit different because in Matthew chapter 25, there's three servants and they got different things, right? And so if we can obviously kind of understand what God's trying to say in, in this one, this is in what here? This is in Luke. In the gospel of Luke, they all got the same thing. So what God is trying to show us is that there are certain things that God has given each believer, every one of us. Although we're called to different things, there's, there's same things that we have all received from the Lord, right? And he has an expectation of us to take those same things that all of us have been given and, and multiply them, put them to use and put them to work. And then in Matthew chapter 25, they received different talents, and that's kind of a picture of not only have we received these same things, but the specific works that God have called us to. So God doesn't only expect us to take kind of the same things that he gives all believers and multiply them, but he expects us to step into the role in which he's called us and to succeed and multiply in that role as well. But for tonight, each got the same thing. I'm going to give you... I believe here I got three things each believer has received. Each believer has received, number one, restored authority of the earth. Restored authority of the earth. Say each believer. I know if you've been here, I've read this passage many times, and I'll probably keep reading it, but I'm going to read it to you again in Psalms chapter 8. 
This is going to be one of these messages you're just going to have to stick with for a minute. And then in the end, you're going to get the light bulb and say, oh, my gosh, okay, I see what you're saying here. Each believer has been given restored authority of the earth. So in Psalms chapter 8, it says this, what are mere mortals that you should think of them? Human beings, say human beings. Human beings means what? Does it mean just Adam? No, it was all human beings. It was humankind. Human beings that you should care for them, yet you made them, who? Who's them? Human beings, only a little lower than God, and crowned them, who's them? Say human beings, with glory and honor. You gave them, who's them? Human beings, charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. Man, if you haven't highlighted this in your Bible, verse 6, you need to highlight it, circle it, make marks next to it. You gave human beings charge of everything. Say everything. Everything that God made, he gave us charge of, putting it under our authority. And then he goes on. If anybody had any question about what he means by everything, he goes on to say, the flocks. Say the flocks. Man, God's put the whole earth under the authority of human beings, even the birds. Say the birds. The birds. The herds. The herds. All the wild animals. Say the wild animals. The birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. So kind of the big picture here is, is what the Bible is saying is that God made the earth and every single thing that's on the earth he put underneath human, or human beings' authority, mankind's authority. And so I want you to understand this. Jesus restored authority. Every believer, each believer has received restored authority here on the earth. So I want, you, I want to help you understand this. So I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 5, 17 through 19. I'm going to read some verses here, and I want you to see this here. Christ restored us back to Adam's position. You know that when God made Adam, he was, Adam was the God of this world. Everybody understand that? That God made the heavens, he made the universe, and then he made this little planet called earth, and he made a man in his likeness and in his image, and he placed him as the God over this earth. So Adam had charge over everything on the earth, everything. Christ has restored us back to Adam's position. That means you. Do you get that? Do you understand that? You have been restored back to as, a, as the authority over the earth. The earth is underneath your authority. Authority, Say that. Say the earth is under my authority. Y'all, if you get a hold of just that statement alone, it destroys victim Christianity. Because now you're not ruled by the world that you live in. You are the ruler of the world that you live in. If you get a hold of what I'm saying, you never have to feel any kind of way again. Why? Because you're in authority. If you feel that kind of way, you never just have to get be subject to any situation that you get thrown in. Why? Because you're saying, I'm in authority. I don't just get thrown into situations. I choose the situations that, that, that come my way. Because I have been restored back to being the God of this earth. 
And I'm telling you right now, there's probably a religious person watching that on Facebook that just cringed in their skin that I made that statement, but it's absolutely true. You're not God, capital G, we're God's lowercase g, right? We're not the Lord Jesus Christ, but we have been made in his likeness and in his image, and we function in his capacity over planet Earth. So the Bible says, I'll show you one angle that we could prove this through the scripture in Romans 5, 17 through 19. It says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. So basically what that's saying is Adam sinned, and then Adam had babies. And when Adam sinned, he became sin, right? He became, he, he came underneath this curse, that was pronounced in Genesis chapter 3, where the earth was cursed now and the ground was cursed. Before the curse of Genesis chapter 3, Adam didn't have to toil with the earth for provision. Adam didn't have to go out there with a hoe and break his back and sweat in the summertime and, and wait for, you know, the harvest to do all this stuff. Adam functioned like God. He just simply spoke, and the earth had to respond to Adam's authority. The earth was forced to comply with the words that would come out of Adam's mouth just the way that it was forced to comply with the words that came out of God's mouth. And so how it says through this one man, Adam's, it caused death to rule over many. So basically Adam stepped into a fallen state and then he had a bunch of babies. And that means us, we came, we were born into this world, into a fallen world. We were born into a fallen state. That means we were born underneath the curse system, right? But it, there's making this contrast, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings right relationship with God and new life for everyone. I'll kind of get to the point that I'm going to be proving in a minute, but basically what Jesus did was he, right, he made right what Adam did wrong. He set us back to life before sin and life before the curse. You'll see this in just a moment. It says... Now, because of Christ's one act of righteousness, it brings a right relationship with God and new life. Say new life. Really, another word could be restored life, a restored life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because the other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.45. It says, the scripture tells us the first Adam became a living person, but the last Adam, say the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. I know other translations actually use the term the second Adam. So Christ came to the earth as the second Adam. Why is this so important? One more scripture, and I'm going to come to the conclusion here. Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 28. You are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Here's the conclusion. Christ came as a second Adam. Where the first Adam failed, Jesus, the second Adam, did not. 
And he restored humans back to the position they were in before sin and before the curse. If you think, here's what those scriptures are really talking about, this restored life, this new life, now through Christ we become children of God. Have you ever thought about this? If Adam wouldn't have sinned, Adam and Eve would have went on and had babies, and their babies had babies, and their babies had babies, and it would have went all the way through genealogy to you and me sitting right here. But we would have been born into a world with no sin, no barriers between us and God, where humans ruled in total authority over the earth. So basically, listen to this. Jesus made right what Adam wronged, and we now come from his lineage Jesus became, the, Jesus became Adam. Jesus took the place of the first Adam and basically made it for us as if Adam had never have sinned in the garden to begin with. That's the world that we get to inherit by faith. Jesus made right what Adam wrong. We now come from his lineage and live as if the curse and sin had never entered into the world. John 1, 12 says this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, this is talking about Christ, to all who believe and accept him, he gave the right, say the right, to become children of God. Say the right. What is this really talking about? And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's like a legal right. He gave us a legal right to become a child of God, just like Adam was a son of God. I love the revelation Brother James has been given in prayer. He says, you know, God already had servants. He had tens of millions of angels, servant spirits. When he made Adam, he didn't make a servant. He made a son. God didn't want another servant and another slave and a taskmaster. God wanted a son, and he made Adam. So when we put our faith in Christ, it, it, it gives us the legal right. We're brought into a new kingdom. We're brought into a new jurisdiction where we are children of God, just like Adam was made a child of God. Hallelujah. So do you understand that? For every believer, each believer, say each. That means you. When you put your faith in Christ, you didn't just get saved to go to heaven one day. You receive, a dominion was restored back to you as a human being of this earth, as a ruler over the earth. Get this, you aren't ruled and left victim by the world. You have authority over the earth realm. You have authority over the earth realm. I'll say it like this. If it's in the earth realm, it's under your authority. Amen. If it's in the earth realm, it's under your authority. Father, I pray that that statement right there gets in the heart of these people tonight. If it's in the earth realm, it's underneath your authority. So what does that mean? You need to start dictating your life. You need to start deciding what your life is going to be, what it's not going to be, what's allowed to happen in your life and what's not allowed to happen in your life. Hallelujah. You know that if you don't like the atmosphere of a place, you can change it by your words. 
Everyone's always running from the devil, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Man, I walked into this place, and there's all these bad people. And I, You know, you have authority over the earth realm. Guess what? If you don't like a situation, you have the authority to change it. In Jesus' name, I release anointing right now. I release the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Say, in Jesus' name. You know what happens when you use that name? You have been given the right, the legal right, to act as Adam acted. Man, I don't like the way that this feels right now. I release peace right now. I release joy in this place. I release the anointing of the Holy Ghost, right? The same way there was virtue that was coming out of Jesus, I release that virtue, right? You can change any situation that you walk into. Man, I, man, we've just been going undergoing attack after attack after attack. Really? Why? Why, why are you undergoing attack? Do you think Adam was attacked by the devil every day before the curse? No, he was an authority. You don't have to. I really don't like the way my life is right now. Well, change it. Dictate what it's going to be and what it's not going to be. Amen. You aren't ruled, you aren't ruled and left victim by the world. You have authority over the earth realm. You don't like something, command it to stop. Hey, man, y'all, you need to shout me down tonight. This will change your life. If you don't like something, simply command it to stop. If you want something to move, simply command it to move. If you want something to come, simply command it to come. Hallelujah. It doesn't only, I'm not just talking about authority that also chases the devil off. I've been trying to get this in you. You have authority over the earth realm. That means everything in the earth realm. Good. Even the good things are underneath your authority. Brother Sam and Debbie, they showed me a house that they've been looking at. And I told them, and they said they've been doing it. Claim that house. Claim it like a son and daughter of God. Claim it like you rule the earth that you're walking on. That house, I command it to come into my possession in Jesus' name. You might think, well, are you, you, know, are you taking this a little far? I'm going to read a few verses. You're, you should be, I mean, you should know some of these verses if you're a member of this church in your sleep. But Mark 11, 22 through 24, I'm going to read it again. Again, if it's in the earth realm, it's under your authority. I hope a light bulb moment comes on in just a moment here. Jesus said, have faith in God for surely I say, whoever says to this mountain, I'm going to also read it to you in the NLT, bounce back and forth. First in the New King James, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says, say he says. Which who says? God says? Does it say, do not doubt in your heart, but believe the things that God says will be done? No, it says, whatever you say, save me. Believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You can say whoever, say whoever. 
Guess what, y'all? That doesn't mean special people. That doesn't mean preachers and pastors and the prophets. Whosoever. Jesus was teaching them something. Whosoever, man, woman, white, black, young, old, doesn't matter. Whoever gets a hold of this, you could speak to a mountain. And if you believe the things that come out of your mouth, not out of God's mouth, not if you believe the things that are written in this book, if you believe the things that come out of your mouth will be done, you will have whatever it is that you say. Therefore, I say, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. I'll read it to you in the NLT. It says, then Jesus said, have faith in God. I tell you, 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 say me, can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt. Basically, what this is saying is you must believe. You must be rooted and understand the authority that's been given to you. Right? Why would I believe if I commanded a mountain to move that it must move because I understand that I have been restored back to Psalms 8 dominion over the earth realm? I tell you, you can pray for anything. Say anything. Man, anything, anything, anything. It, that Greek word, pos, it means each thing, everything, anything. If it exists in the universe, this works for it. That means a house. That means a car. I'm so tired of hearing religious devils suppress and keep the people of God broken poor by, by saying stuff like that's the prosperity gospel. No, it's the gospel message. It's what it says, anything. If it exists, then you can use your faith for it, like I'm telling you right now. That means I can speak to money and tell it to move. Not move away, move in. <laughs> Come on. And if I believe the things that I say and do not doubt, I will have what I say. You know, it's interesting. Guess who's not mentioned in this passage one time? The Father... Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Not one time in this passage is other than have faith in God or have God-like faith really is what the Greek word means. It doesn't mean have faith in God. That word in isn't even in the Greek. It says have dios pistis as if you would read it in the Greek. Have God faith. The Father's not mentioned well, the Father can tell a mountain to move, and if you pray to him and he says it, no, Father's not mentioned. Jesus wasn't mentioned in the, as the subject of this text. The Holy Ghost wasn't mentioned. You know who's mentioned? You. If you say, you believe the things that you say and do not doubt what you say, you can have whatever you say. Say me. You, you, you. If it's in the earth realm, it's under your authority. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, this will just totally destroy being a victim, being low. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19. Man, I, I, we read this stuff, but we don't really understand. He says, I will give you, say you, me, that's me, I'll give you. He was talking about building his church. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says that in Matthew 18. This is in Matthew chapter 16. In the same context, he's talking about the church. That's me and you. 
right? We are the church. We are the body of Christ. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, those keys, anybody know the keys that it's talking about there? It's what's known in the scripture as, Tristan said it, the key of David. It comes from Isaiah 22.22. This is the passage, Isaiah 22.22. This was a prophetic scripture Isaiah wrote about Jesus, right? Jesus who was coming in the future for Isaiah. This is what he said. The Lord said, I will give him the key to the house of David. Talking about Jesus, which is the highest position in the royal court. I will give Jesus, who is coming, the highest position in the royal court, in the courts of heaven. And he says, when he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. So speaking forward about Jesus, the Lord prophesied, this man who's coming, the Messiah, Jesus, I'm going to give him this key which will allow him, give him the legal right to come into the highest court of heaven. And whatever he decrees, whatever door he opens, it must be open. Whatever door he closes, it must be closed. You see that key? So now understand that text where Peter, where Jesus looks at Peter and he speaks to his church and he says, this key that God has given to me, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You can open and close any door in Jesus' name. Say God. Does it say God can open and close any door? No, you can open and close any door because we've been given the key of the house of David. Hallelujah. Do you know what that key is? Jesus actually revealed, is it, is it literally a key? Does it look like an old skeleton key? No, you know what that key is? It's the name. It's his name. You haven't done this before, but I tell you, ask using my name and you will receive. You won't, there will come a time, he said, where you won't even have to ask me. You'll ask the Father directly. You haven't done this before, but ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. When you use the name of Jesus, it gives you the legal right, even in the highest court in heaven, to bind, to loose, whatever you decree will be done on the earth. You could tell a mountain to move using that name, and it will move because it is the key. It's the key. We've been given the name to use in the highest court of heaven to bind and loose on the earth. Hallelujah. So can we bring this thought back to this text in Luke 11 where the master Gave them all the talent. We've all been given this total dominion and authority over the earth. And guess what? God expects us to put it to use. What are you doing with the dominion that God's given you? What are you doing? How are we using it day to day? How are you using it for your life? How are you using it for your finances? How are you using it for your business? He gave it to every believer. He restored us back to Adam's position on the earth. Now what are we doing with it? 
Guess what most Christians are doing with it? Absolutely stinking, freaking nothing, if that's too hard of a word to use, but it's true. And then we just release songs on Caleb about, oh, we go through the storms, but God is still good. You know, no, no. And then people just think that God's just this warm blanket that gives you a hug when you're feeling blue. And that's all that he really is. When Jesus didn't just go through storms. There were storms, and he rebuked them and told them to stop. The wind started raging. Did he? Well, hallelujah. I'm glad that he's the sail that the winds blow, and he just blows me around. And, and I'm so thankful. We're all going to go through storms. No, the wind started raging. Jesus said, shut up. And it listened to him because he operated in Psalms chapter 8, authority. He modeled for us what every man and woman of the new covenant should look like on the earth. We know that because the Bible says that he forsook his divine privileges. That means when he rebuked the wind and the waves, he didn't do it because he was God. He did it full of the power of the Holy Ghost, which has been poured out to every believer in the new covenant. If you'll receive it. And then he actually rebuked his disciples. They started saying, don't you understand? It's, we're in real danger. The wind's raging. The storm's blowing. And Jesus, do something. We're about to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and then turned to his disciples and said, why do you have such little faith? Was Jesus expecting them to just let the boat sink? No, it says the boat was filling with water. Jesus wasn't saying, well, you'll just get through the storm. You know, you should have just known it. It, the storm. It might have sunk the boat, but you would have came out swimming. No. He expected them to do what he would have done. Use my name and tell it to stop. We've been given restored authority of the earth. Everybody. What are we doing with it? What are you doing with it? You can open and close any door. I'm going to get to this. The whole point of my, my sermon is vision to multiply. How would you multiply if you really believe that you've been given the key of David? You can open any door. You can shut any door. There's no ceiling to how high you can go as a believer in life. How would you believe why are Christians the people that are just working the lowest jobs that are the most beat down, broke down? I told you this. Each believer should be at the top of their field. You should be running the company that you're called to. If you own a business, then your business, we, we should be decreeing, operating. Our business should be the, the most prosperous business in Angelina County. God's been putting it in my vision. I'm telling you right now, we're going to have the largest church in Angelina County. Some of you will come, some of you will go, some of you will stay. You're going to see it happen in my lifetime. We'll have the largest church in Angelina County with the nicest building, with the nicest stuff. We will. And you know what? You may say, well, what about all the other churches? I don't know. I can't speak for them. I can speak for me. And I'm operating in Psalms 8, authority on the earth. And I believe that there's no door that we can't speak to and command it to open. Hallelujah. Y'all, this is why, you know, my generation, maybe this is why I preach it, my generation's proven we don't want religion. 
We're not interested in the Humpty Dumpty Christianity that you just go to heaven. That's not what it is. And that's all that people are being taught. And that's why you have a whole flock of people running away from the faith as far as they possibly can because they've only ever heard of the snuggy God that's a warm blanket that'll keep you warm as you go through the storm. That's not true. That's not true. There's a whole nother way of living available to people. We've all been given this restored authority on the earth. Amen. You see that? Now, what else have we been given? Every single believer, look at this. What has every believer received? Because remember, in the parable, they all received the same thing. So we've all been given the authority. What else have we all been given? We've all been given all things in Christ. I'll explain what I mean by that. All, write this down, all things in Christ. Each believer has received all things in Christ. Some of my favorite verses I'm going to read to you, but Ephesians 1.3, I taught out of this Sunday. Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. In the heavenly realms, guys, this is talking about God's highest court. This key of David that we're talking about. Every blessing that God has to give as we covered Sunday. That means the blessing of Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord that makes a man rich and adds no toil. Adds no hardship to it. The blessing of Abraham as we read about in Galatians chapter 3. Where God blessed Abraham in chapter 13 of Genesis it says. And then he was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. You've received every blessing God has to give in heavenly places because you're united with Christ Jesus. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 19-20. For Christ Jesus, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one Silas and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. Say yes. He always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. What does that basically mean? In Jesus, God has given us everything. Say everything. Y'all ready? This will another statement that will just run the religious devil away. You don't have to ask God for anything that the Bible already says. Well, you know, I'll, I'll keep you in prayer. No, you don't have to keep in prayer. If the Bible has already said it, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a yes that means that if it's in the word, God has already said yes. Guess what? Is prosperity in the word? Then you don't have to pray about prosperity. He already said yes. Lord, is it okay if I have that house that I'm believing for? Well, is he Jehovah Jireh? Is he El Shaddai? Does his word clearly teach it? You don't even have to pray about it. He already said yes. He already said yes. It's already his will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to this. If it's not sin and it's not against his word, the answer is yes. 
Lord, can I have the biggest church? Man, can I have the nicest house out of anyone that I know? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. If it's not sin and it's not against his word, the answer is yes. And I, I know I'm talking about prosperity. But even with prosperity, you know, I've I often thought about that. What, at what point is it too much? I remember there was this old guy in New Mexico where I used to live, and he hated anything that had to do with prosperity. He absolutely hated it. And he just believed, man, if you drove a new car, you were going to hell. If you lived in a big house, you were going to hell. That's what he believed. You were just totally missing it. Then I remember one day I was talking to him, and he was a um, contractor, so he remodeled homes. And he said, I sure, he, he, he was talking about his wife. He said, my wife would love to have this type of bathroom. One day I'm going to build my wife a bathroom, and it's going to have this type of shower in it, and I want to put this type of tile in it, and I want the sinks to look like this. And I stopped him, and I said, well, brother, ain't that prosperity? And he got real quiet. And it's like, exactly. Where's the line, right? God will let me have a new bathroom, but if I get a new house altogether, well, I cross the line. Where is the line then? Where is the line where we cross over and, oh, now, now you've stepped into too much where now it's not okay with God? Where is that line? I asked the Lord about that, and the Lord told me. He said, there is no limit to prosperity as long as you have it and it doesn't have you. You can live in any house. It doesn't matter how big, how nice, how much that house costs. God has no problem with it as long as you have it and it doesn't have you. Amen. Come on. There is no limit. Anywhere that man draws the line, that's religion. Who made you the judge to draw the line? Because you know what? In all actuality, you say, well, I don't believe in prosperity. But most of the people that say that in America, according to like 90% of the rest of the world, they are prospering. People that don't have toilets in their house, that in some countries, if you have a bicycle, you're considered better off, well off. Much less, you know, walking two miles to go get water to carry over your head to come home to have dirty water to drink. Well, I don't believe the prosperity message. Why don't you sell your house, sell all your clothes, and move to a third world country? Well, that seems a little ridiculous. So does your stupid man-made line that you've drawn. God's got no problem with us prospering. There's no limit as long as we have it and it doesn't have us. And it's God's will for everyone to prosper. You understand that? Well, if it's God's will for everyone to prosper, what about those countries, like people in those countries like you were just talking about? Well, is God in dominion over the earth or is man? You know, most countries suffer because of a corrupt government. Brother Sam could tell you this probably more than anyone. Going overseas, most countries suffer at the hands of wicked men and women that are in leadership. Some of the most countries that have resources that could make that country prosperous and in their problems is kept away from the people to keep the poor poor and to keep the rich rich. Is that God's fault? No, it's not. Because why the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he's given to man. And you say, well, does this work everywhere? Well, Bishop David Oedepo has a church in Africa. Before his church, it was, it's like one of the poorest nations on planet earth. It had no middle class. It was either 
extremely people that were in extreme poverty or there was a class of elite rich people. There was no in-between. His church became the largest church on planet Earth even to this day, and he actually, through his church and the work that God's done, created a middle class in his country. I mean, you talk about that's completely changing society. That's changing the economy. Well, you know, that's the American gospel, really, because the largest churches on planet Earth that, that literally have buildings that are worth over billions and billions of dollars of American, uh, American dollars, they're worth over billions and billions. They're not in America. What about Africa? Really, Africans are, their, their churches are bigger, nicer, better than ours are. <laughs> If you were to go over to the Africans and tell them you're a bunch of poverty-stricken, struggling people, they'd probably punch you in the face and say, you're insane. Don't believe everything CNN tells you. Now, are there struggling people? Yes. Before Bishop David Oyedepo, the largest church on planet Earth was in South Korea, Dr. Cho's church. He built the largest church in, in human history up to that point during the Korean Civil War. When literally his whole nation was in economic crisis, he built the largest church in planet Earth. Not in America. So there is no line. That's just man-made. That's just a made-up thing to keep people under the lie of the devil and oppressed and broke and struggling. Amen. We have been given all authority on the earth, right? We just covered that. We've been given all authority over the earth. As a believer, it's been restored to us. We've been given every spiritual blessing. We've been given God's ultimate yes to every promise that's in this book. That's why Jesus didn't pray for people to be healed. He just healed them. Why? Because God made a covenant with Israel. God made a covenant in Deuteronomy chapter 7 where he literally said, I am Jehovah Rapha. Think about that. That was a covenant promise that God made to his children in, in Deuteronomy 7, right? So do you understand why Jesus didn't have to pray for the sick? He didn't have to ask God, is it your will? Because in Christ, all of God's promises are yes and amen. Isn't that why he healed the woman on the Sabbath day? She's been crippled. He says she's been beat down, crippled by the devil for many years. She is a daughter of Abraham. What was he referring to in that? She's a child that's been promised a covenant by God. So it's his will today. I don't have to pray. I don't have to ask. I don't have to fast because God's already given me yes in all of those things. So we've been given God's ultimate yes. We've been given God's jubilee, jubilee every day. Remember when I taught on the jubilee from Hebrews chapter 4? Christ was the jubilee the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he goes on to say, to release the captives, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to open the eyes of the blind, to preach the good and favorable year of the Lord. He was the jubilee. I am the jubilee. Hebrews chapter 4 teaches the same thing. Well, what was the jubilee? It was God's double portion. Say it. Say, I have God's double portion today. 
The Jubilee was the year where the slaves were set free. The Jubilee was the year where all debt was eradicated. The Jubilee was the year where people, where property was restored back to families. We have been, we enter into a Jubilee every day because that, it was a picture of Christ according to Colossians chapter 2. Amen. Guys, can we, can we kind of, can you kind of get what I'm saying here? And it says, he gave these different, he gave these things to every single servant. And you're going to see my point in a minute. Some of them did nothing. Some of them did a little bit. Some of them did a lot. And what they did was not dependent upon what God wanted them to do. They had the freedom to do as much or as little as they wanted with what God had given them. What has God given us? Write this down. God has given every believer authority over the devil. In Luke 10, 19 through 20, Jesus said, look, I have given you authority. We talked about authority over the earth. He's given us authority over the devil. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Listen to me. What if believers actually lived in that reality? Nothing will injure you. Nothing will injure you. Nothing will injure you. Why? Because I'm an authority. Cars don't just get to crash into me. I'm an authority. What if we walked around people like that? People say it's arrogance. No, it's confidence. We used to gather around youth group, you know, and, and pray for God's. Everybody ever prayed, Lord, give them traveling mercies. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Give them traveling mercies. I know it's sweet, it's good-hearted, but why not a prayer of faith? I don't need traveling mercies. According to the word of God, nothing will injure me. No car will crash into us or these kids in Jesus' name. Not allowed. Devil, any plan that you already had just got foiled because I exposed it, I said it, I decreed it. Now you must move. Now it's impossible. But we're not taught faith. We're just taught the warm, fuzzy blanket God. And, it, and, it, and what happens, you know? People don't believe anything because we pray little vague, unbelieving prayers like that. And then people are just left to whatever blows are dealt to them. And then they blame God and then they want nothing to do with them. So he says, I've given you, nothing can injure you. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples there. Evil spirits obey you. Man, I pray that with my daughter, when she gets a little older, she has a nightmare. I don't want to hear her screaming in the middle of the night. I want her, I want to hear her getting up saying, you devil spirit, get out of my room in Jesus' name. And, and having the faith and understanding. I'm not scared of the devil. I'm not running from the devil. The spirits have to obey me because I have authority over the earth realm. Evil spirits obey you. So in light of all that you've received, remember what we just read? You've been given all authority on earth, every spiritual blessing, God's ultimate yes, jubilee every day, authority over all the devil, in light of what we received, what we have received in Christ, you need to understand this. If there is a kink in the hose, it is the demonic, not God. Let me explain this. What do I mean by a kink in the hose? 
If I'm not being blessed, if the blessing's not working, if the if the manifestation of my healing, if I'm sick and I just can't seem to get healed, there's a kink in the hose. It's not because God is withholding it from you. If it if there is a kink in the hose, it is the demonic that's at hand, not God. So I'm going to help you. If you can identify that, you'll stop praying to God and you'll start taking your authority over the demonic. And guess what? The hose will come unkinked. It's really that easy. The devil has to obey what I say. So understand this. The devil is the God of this world that is under the curse. So you have to understand, just because you're out from underneath the curse doesn't mean the whole rest of the world's out from underneath the curse. That won't happen until Jesus Christ restores his physical kingdom on the earth. There will be a day where, you know, as a believer, you need to understand this. You're never going to die. You will never die. Even if you, if, if you're, if you, what we would call die before Christ returns. The Bible actually doesn't say that you, you die. In the New Testament, it says you just fall asleep. You receive eternal life. And then as you know, if you're a member of this church, there will come a day where God will literally resurrect your physical body and transform it into a glorified body. You'll never die. But there will come a day where death, even death, is thrown into the lake of fire. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Well, nobody on planet Earth will ever die again. Death won't exist. Sin won't exist. But so you have to understand, although you are pulled out from underneath the curse, the rest of the world, your, your heathen neighbor, God love them, God bless them, it doesn't mean they're pulled out from underneath the curse. You understand that? The, the devil is the God of the world that is under the curse. And then I'm going to help you with something here, but... I'll prove it from the scripture, Daniel 10, 12 through 14. Daniel prayed, an angel of the Lord finally appears, and then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request was heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer, but for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Let me ask this question, simply this. Who was the holdup? Was God holding him up? No. The first time you prayed, Daniel, we heard you and responded. But I, you haven't got the answer for 21 days because of a demonic principality that was withholding it. Let me tell you what's so amazing, why the Bible says we've inherited a better covenant. You know, number one, Daniel didn't have authority over the devil. You know, if Daniel was a New Testament believer, number one, he could have spoke to that spirit prince and said, I bind you in Jesus' name, and the answer could have came immediately. Number two, God doesn't have to send messengers and stuff like that to speak to us now. That's the difference between us and them. They didn't have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So now our spirit joins with God's spirit. So that means that when God has something to say to you and has something to say to me, it's actually better our way because he don't have to send an angel to come and speak to you. He can speak directly to your spirit where no devil, no demon, no, no uh, enemy on assignment can stop or hinder what God has to tell you and has to tell me. He gets to speak straight to our spirit. 
So, but the Bible says that the devil was the one that was holding him up. You see that? And, and look at this in John 14, 30. Jesus said this. He said, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He was saying that as Judas approached him. He has no power over me. So he was identifying not Judas, but at that point the Bible says Judas had been filled with the spirit of Satan. Jesus identified Satan as the ruler of this world. You see that? 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Satan, Paul said, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news, and they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Satan, who is the God of this world, Luke chapter 4, 5 through 7. Then the devil took Jesus up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And he said, I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. Why were they the devils to give to whoever he chose? Because he was the God of the world, of the fallen world that was under the curse, right? I'll give it to you if you'll worship me. Here's the conclusion. I want you to get this. The devil has the legal right because Adam gave it to him. The devil has the legal right to do what he wants on the earth until commanded otherwise by the believer. Once commanded, he is forced to comply with your authority. But here's the catch. If your mouth stays shut, he continues to do what he wants. Give you an example. The Lord gave me that revelation, and I said, Lord, give me scriptural evidence Look at Jesus in Matthew 4, 10 through 11. This was in the temptation in the wilderness. Satan comes, tempts him. Satan comes, tempts him. Satan comes, tempts him. And, and he doesn't flee until finally, Jesus finally says after the last temptation, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then, say then. The devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Did the devil go away before Jesus said that? Nope. He went away after Jesus said, get away. If your mouth stays shut, he continues to do what he wants. Well, I believe, amen, we've been given all authority over the power of the devil. That's great. Hallelujah. Let me jump for joy. That's wonderful. You believe it in your heart, but how many mountains are you commanding to move? I got this problem coming up against me, John. Tell it to move. What a lot of Christians do is, number one, a lot of people are ignorant of this. They have no idea, and so they just get beat up and chewed up and spit out their whole life. And then, number two, there's a bunch of Christians that, have heard this, but yet their mouth stays shut. And they never confront the devil, the kink in the hose, and say, take your hands off of my money. Take your hands out of my life. Take your hands off of what belongs to me. Devil, Satan, demon, leave in Jesus' name. Amen. Are y'all with me tonight? Tell him if there is a kink in the hose, and here's the catch with that, given that you're not stepping outside of the kingdom. So if you're sinning, you can scream at the devil all day long, but your sinning's kink in the hose, right? Because the kingdom only works when you're walking in the spirit. 
The kingdom of heaven is not a future place that says it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. Those who are led by the spirit are sons of God, the Bible says. Do not be led by your flesh. Be led by God's spirit. Everything that you do, led by the spirit. So here's the thing. When you are sinning, the Bible says you step outside of the spirit. You step outside of walking in the spirit. So guess what? The kingdom doesn't work now. It only works in the spirit. It only, so when we're obeying the spirit, when we're obeying the word of God, the kingdom can flow in our life. So obviously, again, the point is this. Tell him if, the, if there's a kink in your hose, given that you're not stepping out of the spirit or the kingdom, tell him to loose what belongs to you. Many people keep their mouths shut, and so the hose stays kinked. Praise God. All right, let's end with this tonight. Back to Luke chapter 19, 11 through 27. Here's the second point that I want to draw from that parable of the ten servants. It's this. Each person, number two, write this down. Each person was given the same thing and put it to work as much or as little as they wanted. Each person was given the same thing and put it to work as much or as little as they wanted. I'll give you a a fact about this parable. In this parable, the master never gave anyone any more than what he gave them up front. The master never gave anyone any more than what he gave them up front. So I'm going to tell you something here that will help you. You have been given all that God will ever give you. Let that sink in. You have been given all that God will ever give you. If you're a believer, you've been given all that God will ever give you. How many Christians are you, they're just waiting on God? Well, I'm waiting on God to promote me. I'm waiting on God to bless me. I'm waiting on God to do this. I'm waiting on God. Really? Because Jesus said in the kingdom, it was illustrated when the master, he gave them everything up front, and he took his hands off. And you had the right to do as much as you wanted with what he gave you. You could, you know, there was a servant that multiplied it 10 times over. You know that if he wanted to, he could have multiplied it 100 times over. He could have multiplied it a million times over. There was a servant that only multiplied it five times over. There was a servant that didn't do anything with it. God gave them everything, and you can do as much as you want or as little as you want. Amen. What if we applied that to our businesses? What if we applied that to our lives? What do you want? Get vision to multiply. Get bigger vision. Let the Lord begin to lift your eyes. Most people say, man, I sure would, it would just be a blessing to me if I could make $70,000 a year. Man, that would be great. Hallelujah. That's good for my family. You can do as much or as little as you want. Why do you have such small vision? What about a million? What about five million? What about 10 million? What, what about not just owning a, a business? What about owning 10 businesses? What about becoming an investor? What about becoming a traitor? A day, not a traitor, like you, tr- you know, betray someone. 
You have been given all God will ever give you. Some of you might hear that and say, well, I look at my life and I feel like I don't have anything. No, you have everything. You just don't see it or realize it. This is what Paul said in Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. I pray you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul was saying, this reality, I pray that you would catch the revelation of what God has already given you in Christ Jesus. He's already given you his yes. Lord, if it be your will that I get promoted, really, he already gave it to you. He already said yes. We want the white picket fence, you know, in this little dream. I'm telling you guys, I'm going to talk about this next week when I get into vision. It is impossible to have great faith and small vision. It is impossible to have great faith and dream small dreams. If you dream small dreams, you don't have great faith. And if you don't have great faith, then don't wonder why. Well, why, how come I'm not seeing this and I'm not seeing that and this ain't working and that? Because it's small faith. Because it is impossible, I'm telling you, to have great faith. How could you hear what Jesus said in Mark 9, 23? Nothing is impossible for the person that believes. How could you really get a hold of that and dream small dreams? How could you really get a hold of nothing is impossible? Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, you desire, believe you receive them and you'll have them. I've restored all authority of the earth back to you. What you bind will be bound. What you loose will be loose. Whatever you want to move, tell it to move. Whatever you want to come, you can come. I've given you the keys to the house of David. I've given you all of these things. You can open any door you want to open, close any door you want to close. How can you get that and then think $50,000 a year? You, you know, we don't believe it. We read it, we hear it, but we don't believe it. It's impossible to believe that and have small vision. Hallelujah. So each person has been given all God will ever give you. You know, God really changed my thinking about this recently. I, I've told you many of this story, but I'll tell you again. I was thinking, you know, the biggest check this ministry's ever received is $25,000. That's the biggest single check we've ever received. Recently, I was thinking, and I was telling the Lord a couple weeks ago, Lord, thank you for giving that to me. And I mean, I, I didn't really, the Lord had to show me what I'm telling you because I didn't get it at first. The Lord immediately responded to me. I told him, Lord, thank you for giving that check to me for $25,000. Not to me, but to the ministry, the church. And he said this, he said, I didn't give it, I did not give that to you. I gave you Jesus. Lord, thank you for giving me that $25,000. And the Holy Ghost immediately responded and said, I didn't give that to you. I gave you Jesus. When you think about this, for example, under this idea, you have been given all God will ever give you in Christ. All of his promises are already yes. And you may think, well, what does that really mean? And I'll tell you what I mean in just a moment. But I'll give you an example here. Proverbs 3, 14 through 16. For wisdom is more profitable than silver. Her wages are better than gold. Say wisdom. 
Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. Wisdom offers you long life. Say long life. Say riches and honor. Okay, now look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. God has united you with Christ Jesus, and for our benefit, God made him, Jesus, to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. So let's think about this. Jesus offers you, if Jesus is wisdom itself, Jesus offers you long life in his right hand and riches and honor in his left. Do you understand why God, you, you beginning to see this, why God told me, I didn't give you $25,000, I gave you Jesus. He elaborated, today I was there and the Lord elaborated, he said, I didn't give you that $25,000. In Jesus, there is $1 million. There's $10 million. There's $100 million. There's a billion dollars. In Jesus, I have given you all things. If it exists on the earth, I've already given it to you. No, he said, you put faith to work. You put the laws of the kingdom to work, and you possessed what I promised you. I didn't give you $25,000. I gave you Jesus. You know, because the difference, if I believe that God gives me $25,000, you know what I'll do? I'll just start praying and, okay, Lord, give. will you do it again? Will you do it again? And I'm sitting here waiting on God to do something like that. But if I realize, no, he, he's already given anything that you could think, ask, or imagine, any number that exists on planet Earth, he's already given it to us in Christ. I won't wait on God to give it to me. I'll possess it. I'll go after it and begin to use my authority to possess what he's given me in Christ, which is all things that exist on the Earth. Let me ask you this. Does a house exist on the Earth? You believe in for cattle, do cattle exist on the earth? He's given you all things that exist on the earth. And then he said this, you know, later that same day I was looking at, at the account and I said, I sure would like if there was blank amount of money in that account. I sure would like it if there was blank whatever amount of money. Think about that. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at your account and, you, you know, you're like, man, thank you. This is great. Lord, you've been faithful. you provided. But... I mean, just be honest. Have you ever thought that? I sure would like to see this, this number when I, when I pull this screen up. Anybody besides me ever done that? The Lord spoke to me immediately and said, the reason you don't have that is not because I don't want you to have it. It's because you haven't been using your faith and authority to possess it. This, to me, changed everything because suddenly I realized I was not waiting on God to give me anything. I could multiply and possess as much or as little as I wanted. Do I need to say that again? Tristan's giving me a confused look back there. No? The reason you don't have that blank, whatever you've ever looked and wished that was in there, the reason you don't have that is not because I don't want you to have it. It's because you haven't been using your faith and authority to possess it. This changed everything because suddenly I realized I was not waiting on God to give me anything. I could multiply and possess as much or as little as I wanted. You know, this changed the way that I think personally. I'm getting my book. Actually, I should have got it back. 
uh, I sent a book off that I finished to an editor, and it got edited. The final edit got done, and he sent it back today. I'm going to get it published. Let me tell you the difference between what I'm saying here. I don't have to pray and say, Lord, okay, Lord, I'm going to wait till the Holy Ghost tells me to write another book. I'm going to wait until this and wait until that. And No, literally, the Lord's saying, I've given you all of this. You can possess, you can multiply as much as you want or as little as you want. I've already given you all things. Does that make sense? Lord, I'm waiting on you to take my business to the next level. No, possess it by faith. You need more clients, you need more customers, you need more money, whatever it is, begin to use your authority and call it in. I'm going to end with this in James 4, 2 through 3. James said, you want what you don't have and you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong, and you only want what will give you pleasure. Say the word ask. John 16, 24, as I've told you guys this, maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't. That word ask is different than what me and you think about ask. Jesus said, you haven't done this before, but ask, say ask. There's that word again, ask using my name. You will receive and you will have abundant joy. So if you look at that Greek word, part of that word, it literally means to ask. It means to call forth. When he said ask, Jesus said, call forth. You haven't done this before, but call forth using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. That word means to call forth. That, mean, that word means to desire. That word means to require. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't call it forth. You don't have what you want because you don't require it. The Lord said, I've given you the key to the highest court. Use my name and acquire what you need. Here's a question. Did every great man or woman of God do what they have done because they were special? No. Think about the people you look up to. Is it Kenneth Hagin? Is it Kenneth Copeland? Is it Jesse Duplantis? Is it Jerry Suvel? Is it, is it Smith Wigglesworth? Is it, you think about these people that have just done so much, so many great things. Is it because they're special? No, they are a result of a person who took advantage of as much or as little as you desire. They put the kingdom to work. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that verse mean? It suffers violence, and the violent take the kingdom by force. So I was digging into this. What this means is before John the Baptist, the kingdom was all prophecy. The kingdom was all just a bunch of people in the past. They were looking forward to the coming kingdom. But when John and Jesus came, Jesus said the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. When John and Jesus came, the kingdom was not something in the future. It became something that was right now that could be entered into. 
So what Jesus was saying is the people got a revelation that the gate had been opened up and they stormed in violently and took the ground that God had promised. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's not something that you're looking in forward to. It's something that's open now that you can do as much as you want with it, as little as you want with it. You can multiply, not according to what God wants you to have, whatsoever you desire. Amen. This is what you've been given. You can put it to work as much or as little as you want. Let me ask you a question. Where do you want to be next year? And one year from now, where do you want to be financially? And one year from now, where do you want to be in your career? And one year from now, where do you want to be in your life? Where, where do you want to be? And realize this, it's not dependent upon God. Hallelujah. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.